Welcome to the Compliance Collective Podcast. My name is Lauren Gray from Gray Management Systems, your compliance training specialists. Our aim is to bring you updates, tips, and important information regarding all things compliance. Thank you for joining us. Hi, thanks for joining me for today's episode. I'm joined by Ian Whitehouse, who's the CEO and Managing Director of Digital Coaching and Consultancy. Ian has a lot of experience in the vocational and higher education sectors, and I spoke to Ian about his time working for ASQA, the Australian Skills Quality Authority, and the state-based equivalent in Tasmania. Ian shares his insights about regulators, their limitations, the important role a regulatory auditor plays, as well as some tips for organisations to effectively engage more with their regulator. Although Ian's responses are more focused on vocational education and higher ed sectors, there is some important information for anyone across any industry who reports to a regulator and is monitored by one. Again, thanks for joining us today and I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks Ian for joining me today. You've had a fascinating career so far and you've had a lot of experience working in the regulatory space, so I appreciate you coming onto the show today. Um, I have many questions, but first, could you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks, Lauren, and uh, thanks very much for the opportunity to participate. Um, It's uh, always a pleasure where I can uh, contribute to uh, others in the sector, and, um, you know, I'm very happy to um, sort of respond to any of your questions today. Uh, So firstly, a little bit of background. Um, I currently run my own compliance business uh, in relation to... um, primarily the vocational education and higher education sectors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I previously worked for uh, state-based regulators, so the Tasmanian Qualification Authority, and I worked in a senior management role for ASQA, the National Vet Regulator. Mm-hmm. So that gave me an opportunity, I guess, to uh, look across both the uh, state-based regulatory system and also the national system. Uh, I joined ASQA fairly early on, um, in the piece, so I saw it as a greenfields opportunity, mm-hmm. and so I saw it a re- as a really good opportunity for me to grow and develop my uh, expertise and knowledge about um, compliance, I guess, in the education sector more broadly on a national level. Um, and through the consultancy work that I've done, uh, you know, that's now extended into the international arena. Mm. Uh, prior to joining the regulator, I also had my own RTO and Crycos business for 10 years with business partner uh, and that provider uh, actually still exists today um, uh, still trading as the same name but obviously um, under the auspice of uh, of my previous business partner mm. you've um, got some well-rounded experience there you know especially as a provider and then as a regulator and now consultant work you're sort of well placed to be in that field aren't you helping others yeah and and look that was part of the uh, reason that I returned from um, working in a government regulatory role back to the sector, I was really keen to bring some of that experience from within the regulatory world back to the sector. Mm. Uh, I guess because of the background, you know, I was in a bit of a unique position where, you know, I, I actually worked and operated within a regulatory framework as a registered provider and then moving across into the state-based and national regulation you know, I could see where some of the opportunities were, but I could also see where some of the issues were. Mm-hmm. Um, and after, you know, some really significant work with the with both of those organisations, um, I felt it was time to step out and contribute in a different way to the sector. And uh, I've been doing that um, 
for a number of years now. Hmm, that's good. Um, one thing I really am interested to speaking with you is obviously about auditing, um, especially in the regulatory space. Um, what do you see are important attributes for a, a regulatory order to possess? Yeah, it's a really good mm. question because I, I think, um, like, yeah, a regulatory auditor has a job to do. They've mm. got a set of standards um, and in context of the national regulator, you know, it, it's actually legislated, so it's law. Mm. Um, so they've got things that they must follow. Um, whether they agree with them or not, they've still got to follow and uh, and and deploy those um, those requirements. I think someone that's working um, in any regulatory role needs to not form opinions or judgments on what they're seeing in terms of preference. I think they need to be able to stick quite strictly to the script. So if there is a requirement that they've got to have a certain thing in place, like a training and assessment strategy Mm -hmm. or, um, or trainers and assessors that meet certain requirements, then that's what the purpose of the audit is about. It's about confirming that those things exist. Mm. Um, it's about confirming that they meet the requirements. One of the challenges is that many of us that work in that regulatory space, and you know, I would say that I am not immune to it, mm. over time you form opinions and views because you see a range of uh, variations on, on, on how people would evidence that compliance Mm. and you can form a view that you prefer one over another Um, but you've got to remove that bias from any of your regulatory decisions because at the end of the day if you are pressed and you do need to go forward to the administrative appeals tribunal for example they'll be looking for the facts they'll be looking for the evidence on which you made your decision so you need to be very objective um, but you also need to have a degree of empathy because many people in the audit space are, um, uh, are quite nervous about the process. Yes. Um, yes. And, um, you know, you've got to bring them with you through the audit process. And we always used to put into the teams and, uh, you know, that really the audit is a is, is an educative process, you know. Um, so, yes, you might find some things that don't meet requirements or are not quite up to the standard required. However... You know, if you can bring people with you through the audit process when you're delivering your findings, um, then you know they're more open to receiving those messages, and they understand what you couldn't see as an auditor. And I guess one of the things is that many providers in that process often are so nervous they tell you a lot of stuff, and really, yes. uh, you know working on the consultancy side, what I say to the provider is if the auditor asks you a question, just answer the question, Mm. no more or less, because the auditor will then ask you another question if they need more information. Mm. Because at the end of the day, it's a process that is being followed, Mm. regardless of whether it's an NBR audit or an ICT audit or or an ISO audit, there's a a process in place that the auditor will be following. um, And that's the process that they report against. Mm, I like that. Um, do you coach many of your um, clients? Um, not not so much about coaching to pass the audit, but more about preparation and um, and getting ready in that sense to have those yes. conversations. Yeah, we certainly do, and um, you know, a very large provider with 
thousands of students prior to their audit. I worked extensively with their education managers and their senior teachers that were going to be involved in the audit. And part of that coaching was to do exactly what I just shared with you. Yeah. Really listen to the question that the auditor is asking. Really be, be care, not careful so much, but be very considered in the response that you give because the question that the auditor is asking is to unpack or probe something. Mm. It, may, it may not be that they believe there's an issue, but they need to understand uh, what the position or, or what the uh, activity of the organisation is. Mm. Um, and that particular organisation that I worked with, that section of that organisation went through the audit with no non-compliances. Mm. But as part of that, we, we, we did some coaching with the senior management, but what we did do is also work with their senior teachers to help them understand what evidence actually looks like. Ah, yes. Um, all right, so, you know, um, because when you've been doing something for a while, mm. sometimes you can't see the wood for the trees. And so what we've done there is we've really worked with them to help them understand the audit process, but apply it to the area that they have responsibility for. Mm. That's good. Um, I'm interested, what's your advice for businesses who who are regulated? And this is more of a general question, I guess. But what advice would you have for them about how to engage and work with their regulator? Yeah, look, I think uh, it's a it's an interesting question because the 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 current um, national regulator is really clear in relation to some of the things they don't do. So, for example, if you contact the helpline, uh, by email or phone, you'll often be directed to something that's on a website link mm. um, it, in the public domain. Um, it's it's difficult for regulators, and I know this from my own experience, it's different, difficult for regulators to make comment mm. uh, on individual aspects or issues because each business may actually deploy its strategies or its approaches differently. Yes. And so therefore the evidence can look different. Yes. Um, uh, against the standards. Um, but I do think that um, by ensuring that you attend sessions that are offered by the regulator, that's all, you know, that's that's useful by subscribing to many of the um, uh, available resources like training.gov updates, uh, NCVER reports, um, uh, certainly information sessions that might be run uh, by state and uh, national organisations mm -hmm. by industry skills bodies those sorts of things are really important because they keep you up to date with the inputs I guess that the regulators are also getting yes um, yes and and just on that you know many of us will read a training package or a unit of competency and determine it to be one way as an example mm. uh, the regulator doesn't write those training packages they regulate them and mm. so sometimes there's a degree of difficulty from both a provider side and a regulator side. Yes. Um, so we've just got to remember that the regulator's doing their job. Mm. Um, as the provider, you've got to do your job. Um, and I would say often, uh, and I'll give you two pieces of input here. The first one is that as the provider, you need to do your job and you need to ensure you're following the requirements. Mm. But the second piece is that I work with businesses and I say to them that if you actually are running a good business and you are able to evidence the requirements, they should be evidenced through the operation of the business yes, as yes, opposed yes. to um, uh, 
getting ready for the audit, if I could put it that way. Absolutely, yes. Uh, you should be compliant all the time mm. uh, or as close to compliant as you can, mm. noting that it's impossible for any system to be fully compliant at any one time. Mm. Uh, as was quoted by um, uh, someone that from Queensland Police that was monitoring the border uh, mm. recently up there, you know, um, you know, we've seen a lot of things in the COVID space where mm. people now have to have passes and things like that. But this particular officer said, you know, we're doing our best. No system is fully compliant. Mm. It's just yeah, all perfect. Mm. Uh, but you can try and be as perfect and as compliant as you can be. Mm. Uh, so, you know, uh, that's just the nature of of a regulated environment absolutely that's that's some yeah. re- i love the insight there it's so true um uh interestingly especially with and i know we're, we, we are sort of talking a lot about um you know the vet sector and high ed at the minute but um with the shift um in particular with asqua i'm going to that self-assurance model next year yes. it really is putting back on the providers you know such as myself um, you know, about having that confidence that you were talking about earlier as well and about, you know, taking responsibility for your continuous improvement. Really important piece, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And just on continuous improvement, when I worked for the state-based regulator, we were using um, the AQTF, which was a continuous improvement-based regulatory approach, mm-hmm. whereas the NDR Act is a risk-based approach. Mm. And so they are... They are diametrically opposed if I can put it that way yeah um, so there's a there's a very um, well-known um, uh, risk-based regulatory author um, it's called Sparrow and I'll happily share that link with you that would be great um, now the 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 national vet regulator operates within a risk-based uh, approach mm-hmm. uh, I think what you're making reference to is going to see us come a little bit back towards continuous improvement methodology, yes. which I think is a far more effective regulatory approach. Yes. Personal view. Personal view. Mm. Um, and with that comes responsibility, as you say, with the with the individual organisations to actually really look at their systems, look at their organisation, uh, and look at how they continuously improve that not only to meet the needs of their customers and clients and more particularly at the moment, how they evolve their business in a, in a manageable way. Um, and uh, an example of that is like, you know, uh, there's very many, there's a number of definitions floating around about what online actually means. Mm. Um, and I think we need to be really clear in strategies, for example, uh, whether we're actually delivering online or assessing online or both. Yes. Um, yep. And we need to understand whether there's a difference between online and e-learning. And when we look at those simple things at the moment, if you apply it to your continuous improvement model, for example, you know we might be using virtual classrooms, for example, for, for the short term. You, we might move back to more traditional models once we're in a position to do so. So the improvement may be short term or it could indeed be long term and it may impact the, the future change. Mm. Uh, I uh, remember in mid-2000s when I had our own RTO, um, we actually offered up our compliance activity, our compliance system over the internet mm-hmm. to state-based regulator, but they were not in a position to accept it. Yeah. Okay, so we've got to remember that even as businesses evolve and improve and look towards maybe technology or other things to, 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 to evidence compliance, we've also got to remember that 
the regulators themselves may not be able to respond or adapt as quickly. Yes. Okay, so that was a real example. Mm. Um, uh, in 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 uh, as I say about two thousand and six. But that doesn't mean the regulator's not wanting to. It's mm. just the regulator's got to have its own systems and practices that it feels comfortable uh, doing. Mm. And I mean, I'm aware of an audit happening next week, for example, where the entire audit's being done virtually. Mm. Um, I think that's going to bring some interesting challenges to both provider and regulator. Yeah, definitely. Um, because if you're in, if you're in a physical uh, audit, for example, often the um, uh, the resources and, and access to the resources, access to being able to see the body language and the interaction between the human uh, can often trigger um, other questions or other other directions. So, yeah. It does, yeah. There are, there's a lot of challenges with um, with online auditing. It, it can be done, but um, like you said, yeah, there is opportunity there to miss out, actually. So, hmm. Um, okay. Can I just add one thing there, Lauren, because yeah. what you just said is really important. Like at the moment, the national regulator accepts based, if you're a new applicant, basically it, it does most of its review off the physical documents mm, yeah. about intention. Mm. Um, uh, depending on the provider or the applicant, um, you know, site visit may or may not happen. Mm. So desktop auditing has a place, but um, definitely one of the things that, that I believe is lost from desktop auditing is that personalization or that interaction between the people mm. because it's often through that question and answer inquiry based methodology that you actually really start to truly understand how the business plans to work or is working yes yes where if you're just looking at a set of documents it's really just cold it's black and white it's stark uh, it has no context or, or or lacks that sort of stuff so does, the personality yeah. is mm. lost in my view mm. um, and i do think that's an area that um uh, as an auditor um it's really important to understand the personality of the entity that you're regulating or indeed working with in an audit capacity mm. that's some um that's that's a really important point that you've just said there Ian. thanks for that um, now that we're back talking about auditing, what advice yep. would you give someone who wants to become a regulatory auditor? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I'll talk, I'll t- uh, I think as I shared with you before, Lauren, like I really, really enjoyed my time yes. both in the state-based and the, and the national regular, regulatory world. Um, they're, they're important jobs. Uh, I really love the work, but uh, they do come with great responsibility. And um, I think someone who is looking to work in that area uh, really needs to understand that the area is often dealing with um, uh, negative news as opposed to positive news. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's not because providers are necessarily bad. It's just that most audits you will go to and the national vet regulators um, data shows that most uh, providers that you might visit will have some area of non-compliance. Mm. And so as a, as, a, as an auditor, you've got to be able to not only present that information, but you've also got to be able to present it in a way that encourages the good providers to keep going and make those improvements without actually telling them how to fix it. Mm-hmm. So you may actually know what they need to do because as an auditor, you uh, as a regulatory auditor, you will see lots and lots of different ways and lots and lots of similar ways that providers operate in order 
to evidence the requirements that they need to address. So one of the things is that you've got to have a very strong level of empathy, but at the same time, you've got to have very strong conviction about delivering the outcome that you need. Um, I would say a really good auditor understands the business first. And mm. so I would always go in and I would try and understand the business, try and understand the flavour, the client group, um, you know, the, we would really try and understand it from a human and a business perspective because once you understand that when you're looking at assessment tools or policies or whatever it might be you actually have that background in the back of your mind hmm. and that informs your uh, regulatory decision making so i think you have to have an ability to take on a lot of information very quickly be able to process it appropriately deliver messages in a very sound and purposeful way um, be very non-personal in the sense that, you know, um, you've got to have a high, high level of um, ethos is, is, is what my doctoral supervisor would call it, mm. um, where, you know, you, you have to be true to yourself, but at the same time, you have to be true to the job that you're charged with. Um, and so it takes a very special person to be able to bring all that together. Mm. You Absolutely. have to be a good communicator. Mm. Um, it's okay to smile. It's okay <laughs> to show a person that, that you're human. Yes, um, definitely. I've been in some audits where auditors just have the poker face for the entire session. Yes. Uh, I've been in audits where <laughs> that's actually been useful, where there's been two of us, for example, or more. Yeah. And one has a stern face and one's all friendly. Oh, you're and playing good, good, what is it? Good, one you watch. good cop, bad cop. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. That's how we used to describe it. Oh. Um, but, but um, it, 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 it is a really broad set of skills. So you yes. have to be analytical. You have to have attention to detail because that's the critical components of being a, a good auditor. But you've also got to have a personality that mm. engenders people because in the audit process, if, you, if, if they feel comfortable with you, they will often tell you the story. Mm. And as an auditor, you often just listen and you make your notes and you're bringing those inputs from a range of areas or segments and making an informed evidence-based audit decision. Yes. And I think that's the critical bit um, because sometimes as an auditor, you'll be asked a question and the, the provider goes, oh, this is what you mean. But the reality is that's different to what you were actually asking. Yes. So uh, I go back to the earlier point, listen carefully to the auditor, respond only to the question that's being asked because the auditor may have a particular focus in mind. Mm. Whereas when I was working in it, I was, I was much more about tell me the whole package mm. and then what we'll do is we'll start to join the dots and then we'll go down the roads or the paths that we need to so that I can gather the evidence to make a decision. Mm. Thanks very much for that. Um, we'll wrap it up there, but just could you just remind listeners where they could find you, your business and, and what services? I know you've, you've pretty much touched on that, but what services your business could help? Yeah, thanks, Lauren. Look, it's always good to talk about what we do. Um, so uh, www.digitalcoaching.com.au. We do a range of services from compliance work through to resource and content work. 
but we also have a tech end of it. So we build solutions, compliance systems, learning systems for organisations. That work we do nationally and internationally. Mm -hmm. uh, and currently we, um, we have a number of contracts overseas uh, that sees us uh, working in both developed and developing countries um, because we do have a philanthropic uh, aspect to the business um, whereby we really keen to grow and develop um, not only our own people in our own country but also to develop you know future um, leaders and and as we like to call them our future innovators and our future entrepreneurs so we do quite a bit um, with the next generation in innovation and entrepreneur so basically make a job as opposed to find a job mm, i like that yeah. yeah so we, we uh during this COVID times obviously that's all happening virtually but that hasn't stopped us working because of the uh great local people that we have mm. on the ground so we have been inhibited a little but um we're still continuing to do what we do which is have fun mm. um and you know we see the work that we do through the business as really being focused around education business and technology and they're the three sort of slants that we have yeah so um, cool appreciate the opportunity to provide that little bit of background oh no not at all i really enjoyed talking to you today i really love your fresh approach um and we certainly our values align especially in regards to auditing so um i am grateful that you came onto the show today and you shared lots of your wisdom and experience with our listeners so thank you very much ian i really appreciate it uh, you're welcome, Lauren, and uh, stay safe. Yes, thank you. Thanks for listening in today. I hope that you've found this episode helpful and informative. Please take a moment to hit subscribe. And if you know someone in the compliance field or someone who may just be interested in today's episode, please feel free to share. Be well, stay safe, and happy auditing, everyone.